When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to our second Know Your Enemy of the Season. Uh, I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict, here with me, returning. We're glad to have you back. Welcome back, Shannon White. Oh, thank you. Just happy to be back. <laughs> How are you doing? How are, are things good now, or are you better at least? It, it, uh, we had the funeral today. And uh, it was a, it was a great turnout, and, and made a lot of great memories with with family and friends, and uh, so it, it was a real blessing. And, and uh, so I'm ready to to shift gears and, and talk some stellar football. Absolutely. Unfortunately, tonight we do not have a guest. Apparently, it is preseason for Jaguars uh, <laughs> Jaguars coverage as well. Uh, we are unable to get a guest, so. We're, we're going to be here. We're going to be talking. We're going to be talking what we can about the Jaguars. We're going to be talking Steelers. What's going on? We're just, we're just going to be talking football. We're going to be having a good time. Now, the Steelers have faced the Jaguars twice since that playoff loss, 2018 and 2020. Both times Steelers have won. The team's gone through a lot of change. But there's one specific player, one big name on this team that is new to this, that the Steelers have never faced Shannon White, Trevor Lawrence. What does it mean for the Steelers to get their first crack at Trevor Lawrence this game? I was, you know, I'm a big fan. 
of Trevor Lawrence. I, I liked watching him at Clemson. Um, I thought he was one of the best pure quarterbacks I've seen come out in a while. Um, he has every attribute. Uh, I believe he has the it factor. So I was expecting him to have, a, a you know, the normal rookie struggles, but I thought he would have a good year uh, last year. Uh, and then that whole, it was a disaster. The, the, the injuries, the offense, Urban Meyer, you know, it was just a terrible situation for a rookie quarterback, regardless of how talented they are. You got to have help. You got to have coaching. You got to have talent around you. And I think he handled it well. I mean, he didn't have the kind of year I was expecting, but um, I think he's in a lot better situation now. And and they've tried to surround him with a little bit of talent, like we were saying before the show. Uh, they overpaid for said talent, uh, which has <laughs> set this crazy wide receiver market. But um, I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, what what he will look like and what the Steelers secondary, how they'll hold up. Um, you know, because I think that first game, the run defense for the Steelers was was really bad. Uh, yeah. But I thought the pass defense, you know, Norwood played a heck of a game. I mean, mm-hmm. he did his best uh, Mika Fitzpatrick impression. I mean, yeah. Norwood was everywhere. He seemed like, I don't know how many tackles he had, probably seven or eight, even in the, in the you know amount of time he played. So I'm anxious to see, uh, this being the second preseason game, uh, how they will look against Trevor Lawrence. And, and uh, it's, it's you're still going to be missing a few guys, but I think they might be playing a few more of their starters this week. So it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, like I said, the, the entire front line was out. Mm-hmm. They were minus, uh, let's see if I can do them all, Cameron Hayward, Tyson Alu-Alu, Larry Ogunjobi, and Montrevious Adams were all out on the defensive line. And then, of course, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, both outside linebackers, were missing. That's got to be a big help for the Steelers. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see how many of those guys play. You brought up a name there. And I want I want to talk about this because this is the big story with Jacksonville. It's something I was hoping to get you know an insider opinion on, but we can still talk about it. Urban Meyer. Not only <laughs> not only did he have a terrible season and get kind of run out of town pretty early on there, uh, he left this program kind of in in a bit of a shambles. He 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 took a whole bunch of players off the roster, tried to do a quick rebuild and his image of the kind of players he wanted, mm-hmm. which seemed more to be about uh, their temperament and how they interacted with their coaches mm-hmm. more than how they actually played on the field. They get rid of Urban Meyer. They bring in Doug Peterson, who, of course, won the Super Bowl with Philadelphia, uh, has done well with quarterbacks there. Is this a turnaround that we could see the Jacksonville Jaguars actually be a good team this season? And by good, I don't mean like competing for a Super Bowl. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. is this a team that could push to make a playoff appearance this season? Or do you think, do you think a Peterson is going to need more years than that? He's going to need a little bit more time. Well, again, like we was talking about before the show, I think that, I still think they're a year away, uh, another strong draft and a, another uh, uh, maybe a, a strong free agency period when they really f- figure out what they need. Because as you said, Meyer built that team in his image mm-hmm. and he wanted guys that I think he was trying to set up a team in a 
more like his college experience. And, you know, that's not going to work in the NFL. Um, you know, that's why a guy like Nick Saban isn't going to come in and automatically, you know, be a championship level coach because it's different. And Maryland, he learned that the hard way on and off the field. And uh, so it was a disaster. I mean, it really, really was. And as a, as a quarterback, a young quarterback like that, Lawrence needed stability. Yeah. And and he did not get it. Uh, he needed support. And we heard things that Meyer said. And, and um, you know, he I still think he tried to coach like he was in college, and it just wasn't going to work. But because, like you said, he left the, the cupboard pretty bare. You know, they got some talent on defense and, uh, and, and, and a little bit on offense, you know, Lawrence being one of them, obviously. But I just think it's going to take a, a little time and then adding some more talent. So this year, I think if they can get to maybe five or six wins, uh, even seven, I think they would have to consider that a success and then really be looking towards next year. Yeah, I could see this team pushing seven, 10, mm-hmm. eight, and nine, something like that. We know they're not going to have a tough schedule. Too bad. Uh, I didn't want to bring this up. Their backup, we'll see uh, CJ Beathard. Uh, he also has never played against the Steelers. So we're seeing a couple of guys that we have never seen face the Steelers, uh, before. So that's, that's kind of interesting. We go to running backs. Obviously they have James Robinson. He will not be playing. He is working his way back. Apparently, uh, had a really good, uh, report in his last injury. He's allowed to, to come out to practice now, but he's still not cleared for contact, which means there is no chance that he will suddenly be cleared for contact and put into the preseason game, you know, only a couple days away from now. Uh, so we will not see him. But there's another guy in that running back room who's playing really well this season, didn't play at all last season, and that is second-year player Travis Etienne. Uh, obviously, we can talk about what he showed uh, in his college career. He's made an impact in pre in uh, training camp. He's looked really good. Uh, what do you expect to see from Travis Etienne? I, I, I really am scared to say his name, Etienne, because I'm going to butcher it a yeah. few times. But, uh, you know, last year with it was him, Etienne, and Harris, and Javon Williams. And those are the three the top running backs coming out. And as Stiller fans, we was excited about all three. You know, whichever way they went, and everybody had a favorite. And we all talked about Javon Williams a lot because of his contact balance. Yeah. And then he had a really good year with the Broncos. And, and you know, you see that. Um, Etienne was that third down, um, you know, I considered him more of a, a specialist in that he was so well-rounded as a receiver. Yeah. And he's just a threat every time he touches the ball. And if he can be healthy – and it seems like he's, you know, coming back and getting near 100%. Um, you know, that's a that's like having another first-round draft pick that you never got to use last year. And that's like having two first-round draft picks this year. So that, yeah. uh, that could be huge for them because their offensive line uh, was a good run-blocking line uh, for Robertson. You know, yeah. he had that 1,000 yards as a rookie, undrafted. You know, very impressive. And when he comes back, that could be a really good backfield tandem. Absolutely, those two going in tandem together. I I want I was going through by position 
Uh, but we're gonna have to we're gonna come back to Etienne because there's some more I want to talk about him and how he fits in this offense. We look to wide receivers. The Jacksonville Jaguars brought in Christian Kirk on a very big contract. They brought in Zay Jones. They had LaVisca Chenault Jr. They had Laquan Treadwell. Those are four guys drafted in the first or second round. None of them have had a 1,000-yard season. None of them have really had that great of a season. Uh, Christian Kirk had a really good season last year, got over 900 yards earned that, you know, got himself a big contract for it. But to me, looking at the Jaguars roster, the only person they've had have on the roster that's had a 1,000-yard season is Marvin Jones, and he's 32, and that was a few years ago when he mm-hmm. hit 1,000 yards. Uh, this, this receiver room seems to be kind of a grab a bunch of versatile <laughs> number two, number three guys that can line up in the slot, line up all over the place throw them out there and kind of hope Trevor Lawrence can, you know, make soup out of this, like take these ingredients and turn it into something good. What do you, what do you think of this uh, Jacksonville wide receiver approach? With all the money they put in to those guys overpaid, you know, you're like, could they have went after one number one, true number one, you know, and, and realize that, you know, they're not a playoff contender and, and, you know, look to the draft or, or maybe get another one next year. But I thought they would have been better served to to look for a true number one than to get a couple of questionable number twos. And they've got a lot of that right now, mm-hmm. as you said. And, um, you know, Christian Kirk reminded me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster and the fact yeah. that he was playing across from Hobson, Hopkins, excuse me. And – who drew the, you know, the top coverage, the double teams and everything. And and Kirk was able to exploit that in that offense where they throw the ball so much. So I think his numbers was a little bit of inflated. And I think what the Jaguars is hoping that Trevor Lawrence can pull a Ben Roethlisberger and make the receivers look better than they actually are. Because there was a lot of times there, you know, that Ben helped these guys, uh, you know, he, he was so good that he could make, you know, as you say, soup out of, you know, a hodgepodge of, of players, you know, throw all these ingredients together and they could make it work. Now, you know, he, of course, he had Antonio Brown and, and he's had Hodgeworth. He's had some great players, but yeah. I'm just saying he made some second level guys look really good mm-hmm. at times. And, uh, you know, also with that great receiver on the other side drawing that coverage, well, Jacksonville's not going to have that. They yeah. don't have that true number one, or do, you mentioned earlier they don't have that in a tight end either. So, you know, I, I hopefully he can elevate the the abilities of those guys around him because he's going to have to because they still lack some talent there in them skill positions. Yeah, and at tight end, you brought up tight end. They have they bring back Dan Arnold, who's a solid receiving tight end, not the best blocker. They add to that Evan Ingram, who is of course a receiving tight end, again, not the best blocker. Mm-hmm. They've got two solid they – got, they've got two receiving tight ends that have a lot on paper going for them, but really haven't produced that much. And it looks kind of, like you said, kind of like the wide receiver room where you've got these guys that 
in the draft looked really good, but they haven't really produced. Like they're still fast. They've got good size, but they just haven't put it together to become like a real number one receiver. And they've got two tight ends who've kind of done the same thing. Neither of them are really that dominant, you know, pass catching tight end who's going to be that guy who can be a focus of your offense. But they've got two who are pretty good. And like at that point, you've got four wide receivers, you've got two tight ends, no one really standing out, but you've got a lot of depth, you've got a lot of, of, of talent. But you're you're hoping your quarterback, like we were saying, can make soup out of it. And I for me, I look at it and I'm like, I, I kind of feel bad for Trevor Lawrence because he doesn't have a go-to guy. He's got to be the go-to guy. Like he has to be that guy for this team that just makes it happen. It's just going to be on his shoulders. And I I wanted to say this because I want to swing back. Because if you think about this setup, right, if you have four pretty good wide receivers, right, where any one of those four guys is a really good number four receiver, any one of those guys is a very is a good number three, possibly number two. None of them are a good number one. Mm-mm. So you're going more for overloading the defense and saying whoever your weakest cornerback is, someone's going to get lined up on somebody that, that they're going to be able to beat, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what it looks like they're going for. The same thing with Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram. And then I go back to Travis Etienne. And what we've seen with his talent and what you've talked about with him being more of a well-polished receiver, is this an offense set up? For Travis Etienne and a James Robinson to be the best offensive weapons. Oh, I think it's going to have to be. Yeah, and, and you know, and then sprinkle in some of the the wide receivers and Ingram. You know, he can. Uh, you know, he has talent, and he's had some games that you think, well, you know, he had a hundred yard game. And it looks like he's going to break out, but it it never happened. And, you know, with yeah. the Giants and Danny Jones, you know. Uh, Daniel Jones, it, you know, there the, he might have an excuse there, but he also has had injury issues. Uh, he's been hurt a lot, so if he can stay healthy, you know, that give you that pass catch and tight end, um, and then with the two solid running backs, um, I think a lot of it's just where Myers left him in such a bad spot. You know, in one offseason, you can only do so much. The Steelers figured that out last year. Yeah. And and you could fill as much as you can, but you're going to fill some positions with a lack of experience. Some's going to be a lack of talent, and you know you're just going to, have to make do. And that's what I. That's the situation I think they're going to find themselves in. But um, Ed, Etienne, Etienne, <laughs> he um, he has experience with Lawrence. You yeah. know, I know it wasn't at the, at the NFL level. But I think that that might help their chemistry. And, you know, those times are – he reminds me of um, – oh, gosh, the the Saints running back. Kamara. Um, huh? Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. He reminds me of him and that he can be such a threat and a big play guy that if he can have that kind of game and effect on the Jacksonville Jaguars offense – um, that would be a huge help for Lawrence and the rest of, you know, because they don't have quite the talent that they need right now, but he could help bridge that gap till next season. I like it. I, I, 
I think you're right. I think I think that's kind of where it is, is this team is going to have to be running back focused. And that puts a lot on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line was a decent was a pretty good run blocking line last year. They brought in a big contract, Brandon Scherf from the Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be one of their guards. He's there with uh Cam Robinson returns. They've got they brought in guys to compete for the other spots. So they've got some legit offensive line competition. The offensive line, they're they're putting money into it. But I've got, I've got, I still, I'm still going back to this. Is this a real plan? Like, is this a real offense? Is, or are they just, you know, throwing this out there and hoping Trevor Lawrence can make them look good? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit of a hope. You know, yeah. they're hoping. You know, uh, of course, I thought the Steelers did that last year. I mean, they they were stuck in the situation they were in, yeah. reduced salary cap, and you know, it would have cost more for Ben to walk away than to stay. And you knew that they had to have a running game. You, you know, there's certain things that had to happen because Ben was immobile uh, totally, and it didn't work. But they somehow managed, you know, to get nine wins out of that. So I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would be thrilled if they could pull nine wins out this year. Um, because I think that they did all they could with the money they had and the the uh, resources they had. But it's going to everything's going to have to go perfectly for them this year uh, for them to to get past you know six or seven wins. I, I want to bring up next. We're going to the defense. I don't. I, we're not going to spend too much time on their defense. Uh, but I do want to bring this up. The Jacksonville Jaguars, in their second pre they played in the Hall of Fame game. So preseason mm-hmm. week one uh, was their second game. They played the Cleveland Browns. And while they lost to the Cleveland Browns 24-13, to they were actually leading 13 to nothing in this game when Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were both playing. Jacksonville was winning 13 to nothing. Uh, one of the great, great lines that the Steeler fans will enjoy. Uh, Deshaun Watson being one for five for all of seven yards was booed every single time he stepped onto the field. Uh, got it, got it much, much worse than Mason Rudolph got after the strip sack. Uh, consistently, there's videos of people just chanting like stuff at him. He was terrible. Their, their, their opening drives, their first half, I was going to say this for Cleveland, punt, fumble, punt, touchdown, punt, and that touchdown drive was Josh Dobbs. Mm-hmm. That was Joshua Dobbs yeah, coming yeah. in and leading them to a touchdown drive. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense, they brought in new coaches. They did draft the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. They return a defensive line that was actually pretty good, really good at stopping the run. They brought them back, added another run-stopping defensive tackle to the group. And they've got these two guys on the outside, Josh Allen, who was the first uh, first round, high first top 10 pick mm-hmm. in 2019. And now Trayvon Walker, the number one pick overall. He's going to be there with some absolute, like, beefy space eaters inside. Josh Allen on the other side. 
they are looking like they are trying to rebuild that fierce front four that led them to playoff success, led them on those runs, led them to have some good seasons back in, you know, that ended kind of with 2017. Can this defense be legit? I think when you see, you know, I was shocked when the Steelers was able to get Miles Jacks. Yeah. I, I mean, I was I was shocked because, you know, he he was such a dominant player against the Steelers, um, and in other games that I've watched, you know, in the, the playoff games, you know, he he about made the play of the game there against the Patriots in, in the after our game. Uh, so they they just had to blow that up, and you know they had to rebuild it. And I think that you know Jackson wanted to go; he was ready to go, and they that's the only reason because you see how talented he is, and and he mm-hmm. was easily the best inside linebacker the other night for the Steelers. Uh, I do agree that they're trying to build something there on that defensive line, um, and you know we all kind of thought it might be Hutchinson. Uh, but, you know, he kind of worked out because Hutchinson wanted to go to Detroit. You know, he's a hometown kid, and he wanted to go there, which, you know, a lot of players wouldn't. It's kind of like going to Cleveland. A lot of guys don't want to go there. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, you see that, they, you know, all that talent they lost, that was one heck of a defense. Um, so when the Steelers hung that many points on them in the playoffs or lost, I was so impressed because they had a heck of a defense. Nobody put points on Jacksonville that year yep. like the Steelers did in that game. Uh, it was just the terrible start of that game and, and some other things happened. And, you know, poor old Sean Smith's fresh off the counts trying to, you know, tackle Larry Fournette. It wasn't working, you know, yep. or Leonard Fournette. But, uh, yeah, I think that the, the Jaguars have just blew it up and they're rebuilding. And they've got some really talented pieces. Josh Allen is a is a very talented uh, defensive lineman, um, and and Walker, I, I thought Walker, you know, was surrounded by so much talent at Georgia that I thought he was going to be good. But I was shocked he went number one. Yeah, I really was. You know, I, I was more impressed with uh, Davis than than I was with Walker. But uh, obviously, Jacksonville was really. They liked him. They took him number one overall. So um, I want to see how our tackles hold up uh, against that pass rush. And because, you know, they, they got after Cleveland. Yeah, they did. And, and I'm anxious to see Moore's having an excellent camp. Uh, and But he blew that block of the day. You know, I mean, when I say he blew it, he did ride the guy around the circle. You know, mm-hmm. he got him, he got him deep. But, uh, you know, I think Dan Moore would say I, I could have, you know, he didn't get that block like he wanted to. But the rest of the game he did. And and then a core four, I mean, just to be honest, I mean, he had some nice blocks. And, yeah. and we, we were talking that he showed some aggressiveness that we've been begging and praying to see. And, if you know, he's got the talent. If he can get a little nasty and become a little bit more aggressive, the Steelers might be in pretty good shape at tackle. You know, because they're both super young guys. So yeah, uh, I'm anxious to see that matchup. I think it will be a really good test. And this is why I want to bring up the defensive line, because I think the best part of this preseason game is we're going to see a really good test for the Steelers' offensive line with some young defensive linemen. They've got depth on the defensive line for Jacksonville. Interior, they're run stuffers. 
it's going to be a nice matchup for the Steelers to to kind of test this offensive line and see how they're doing. Uh, you were saying Okorafor looks good this season. Dan Moore looks good this season. I kind of, in this offseason, I went a little farther into James Daniel and Mason Cole's uh, film. And I can tell you, both of them were really good on outside zone. And I started worrying about them because you watch them on inside zone and more power run plays where you're just move guys out of the way. We're running up the middle and they weren't good. Like they had mechanical flaws. They had, they had problems on, on uh, combo blocks. They weren't getting off of their blocks and up to the second level. And then I'm watching this preseason game. I was there watching it live and then I'm watching it. I'm rewatching it. I'm, I'm going through the, the coaches film where you can see the line from behind. They look completely different significantly better at executing their run blocks. Our inside zone game in the in in week one was really, really good. It was getting going. I'm impressed with what this offensive line has done so far, which means I'm kind of – Pat Meyer looks like a guy who has done his job. Mm-hmm. At this point so far from what we've seen, which is obviously only one preseason game, but in the execution, the hand placement, how these guys are moving – it looks like Pat Meyer has really done the job of improving this offensive line. And we haven't even seen Najee Harris play yet. Shannon, what are you looking for from the Steelers run game against this Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line that's pretty dang good against the run? Yeah, they got they got as you said earlier, they got beef inside. Yeah. And and they're stout. And um, you know. Seattle, you know, they had some experience there, you know, on that interior, but it wasn't a huge test, not as much as this week will be. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with Dodson, but I say that he was, you know, still dealing with an ankle injury or something of that nature. Uh, I think Green, his lack of of size, especially length, you know, he he was just absorbing a lot the other night. You know, if he could still make the guy at the beginning, he did good. But if he has to absorb that and they get their hands on him first because of his shorter arms, you know, he was getting collapsed back some. So I I still think he would be a better center than guard. But if he could be a solid backup guard or filling, you know, that might be his future there. You know, because Cole, I think, is definitely a better center at this moment. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially for this new scheme. And you had talked about it all offseason. And then you start seeing it in action for the first time, you know, because we're not, we're not, we can't see the practices. Yeah, we we, we read the that. comments, but we don't get to see. So seeing that in, in live action, I was impressed. Uh, both of them moved. They can get to the next level. Um, they did look better. I think, you know, uh, with some of the combo blocks that, that you were talking about that they had struggled with before, mm-hmm. um, you see communication issues. I mean, there's going to be, that's the, this is all new line again. You know, yep. it's like the store just blew up last year. Okay, here's a new line. But you know, they kept the tackle. But but uh, you know, I see some communication issues, and I think that'll quickly get rectified. Um, uh, so I'm not really concerned about it yet. Now, if that's still happening the second week of the season, third week of the season, then we're gonna have to be concerned. But yep. yeah, I think Meyer has done a great job, and that was a very that's another smart hire. The Steelers had a really strong offseason. Because I didn't know anything about him. And y'all yeah. was talking and writing articles about how that his specialty fits what Matt Canada wants to do. Mm-hmm. And then you 
you hear about it at practices that he's just he'll stop the action, get everybody together, and have a teaching moment. Yeah, you know, he's not a rah-rah yell guy. He's he's a teacher, and sometimes that's what you need. Yeah, because when when the guys get to the pros, you know, like they don't like being yelled at. That that doesn't always work. You know, you got to have you got to be able to teach. And, and and I'm like you. I think he, it looks like he's done a really good job because I feel better about the line right now than I ever did at any point last year. Oh yeah. And and I think that, that they have a lot more talent and the execution. Once that comes, you know, McFarland had room to run. Warren had holes yeah. to hit. You know, and and last year, even in the preseason, they couldn't run the ball. No. So you know, I know it was against Seattle. But this week will tell us a lot. If they can kind of repeat that, I'm more excited about watching that running game develop because the yeah. pass block, at least now they have quarterbacks that can move. You know, actually they did. So Trubisky got out of a sack, Pickett, you know, scrambled. Rudolph can move if, if you know, if he steps up in the pocket like we on that one play you broke down. But, <laughs> but you know, last year Ben just couldn't. I mean, he just yeah. could not. And, and he needed a strong line and he did not have it. If they can develop that running game, if they blow an assignment once or twice, you know, maybe Trubisky or Pickett or whoever can get out of that like Ben used to do. You know, Ben, the Stars had a lot of success with some mediocre lines. Yep. Uh, if you have that that mobility factor, and the Steelers do now. So, yeah, I'm, I think this week will tell us a lot. I want to I talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you referenced there. One is, I, I've, I have an article, I had a film room out, it was, it was about James Daniels' rough first game with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was really good in run blocking, but there were several times in pass protection where he had a complete lapse. I mean, I mean, what two of the plays where he gave up hits on, Mitch, on Trubisky involved him just not seeing a player adding on to the rush, where if, if you count it off, pre-snap like mm-hmm. okay Chukwuma Korafor has this defensive end uh James Daniel has this linebacker Mason Cole has this defensive tackle right those are the three mm-hmm. you're covering but when someone gets added on or someone stunts that changes right and all of a sudden yeah. James Daniel needs to block that defensive end instead of the linebacker but he's trying to switch to the defensive end instead of guarding the linebacker and the linebacker is coming in mostly unblocked and has a free shot on Mitchell Trubisky. It happened another time uh, where Mason Cole, from the initial, looked looked like he was going to be a floater, like he had have a guy to block. Mm-hmm. And then they added a cornerback in. Chukuma Korafor lets the defensive end go. Block, well, outside linebacker go. Blocks mm-hmm. the cornerback blitzing. And James Daniel doesn't pick up the outside linebacker. He stays with the defensive tackle, who Mason Cole is picking up. Just absolute mental lapses. They, they, like you said, they've got to improve because you've got to yeah. believe they're going to improve because these are these are mistakes you can't be in the NFL and make. Like yeah. this guy's either going to going to get that fixed, get that back to where it needs to be, or he's going to be out of the NFL this season. He will not finish this season as an NFL player. But if you you know, you said it yourself, they didn't show that that isn't normal for them. That isn't part of their history. Yeah, you know, and, it, and well, it's not so what you expect I, in preseason. Exactly, and I I just think it was a some communication issues. Um, you know, where you, offensive line play is so much about cohesion and chemistry and communication, and it's impossible to develop that 
it, that quickly. Um, and even with experienced guys, these guys are all young, but a lot of them have experience, Daniels, Cole. But like on the one play uh, that, that I was going to bring up when we talked about it this week, to me, if if you got an uh, outside linebacker or an edge guy coming and you got a cornerback coming out wider, you pick up the 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 nearer the closer guy is the bigger threat yeah. on the inside. And I thought a core four shouldn't have went for the cornerback. He should have because I mean he was the one thing the guy was coming where the quarterback had seen because he was coming from his right. Yeah. And I think he would have had more of a chance to dodge him. You know, Ben used to do that all the time when they'd send them little guys from the outside. You know, I was I thought that a core four should have picked up that interior blocker blitzer and instead of floating out and i think maybe daniels thought that was what was going to happen i ain't making any excuses yeah i'm just trying to think like maybe like, they were thinking because like like he, he, yeah, he didn't even try to, no, he didn't. to pick that guy up so nope. i think in his mind i think he thought he was expecting something else and yeah. and that's stuff that they can get i think it'll be pretty easy to get you know cleaned up once they get a little more time together yeah, as soon as, I mean, as soon as they hit that film room afterwards, it's going to be an immediate mm-hmm. priority for James <laughs> Daniel to get that fixed. He's good. Yeah, he yeah. knew then. And if you watch the rest of the game, he was much better in pass protection. It's like it it kicked into into mm-hmm. gear. Like it's the first game. Sometimes yeah. guys are like in the first game and they're not really there yet. They're not really yeah. ready. Uh, we've seen that before. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. I can't. I'm trying to remember which season it was. One of his best seasons. His preseason, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he went out in the preseason, like his first preseason game was like he'd forgotten how, how to play football. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, he was like not reading the defense at all. And he was throwing routes wrong. And then he had one of his best seasons ever. It happens. Preseason mm-hmm. can happen. You don't like it at all in anyone, especially when it's a free agent lineman that you brought in to be one of your starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were talking about the inside blockers being key, like the inside rusher being the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. So a lot of schemes, read the defense they, they you know you you find the mic and then you read the defense from the mic out for your blocking assignments mm-hmm. uh an interesting thing with pat meyer and and i ran into this when they uh signed jeremy mcnichols and i was watching him as a pass blocker and how tennessee does it a little differently they're a much more aggressive much more run blocking team and in pass blocking the running back is responsible for the most inside rusher Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But whoever's rushing straight up the middle, the running back has that guy. And how they would do is the running back just basically on the snap goes straight up into the front, straight up into the middle of the pocket. And if there's no one there rushing, they head out and become a receiver. If there's someone mm-hmm. there rushing, they just, as they're running up there, hit them and block them. Right. And the they did that the other night. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And yeah, it, showed yeah. Up, it showed up with uh, McFarland mm-hmm. blocking mm-hmm. a few people. So this this defense is different. It reads from almost almost like it, it reads from the outside in for picking up your pass rushers. And then if there is a sixth rusher, that running back is responsible for whoever's in the middle the most, mm-hmm. which is a lot different than what we've seen the Steelers run before, where you would see that running back have to sit there and look and say, you know, do I need to go to the right? Do I need to go to the left? And I think a lot of this has to do with Najee Harris because last year Najee Harris was not good at reading where to go 
his big problem wasn't actually blocking people. It was figuring out what to do. Like he would yeah, drop Ben, back. ben was moving him around a lot. Yeah. And yeah, he'd look yeah. and he'd be like, okay, I'm going over here. And then this guy's coming unblocked the <laughs> other direction. And it's like, no, Najee, it's the wrong way, man. And uh I think I think Dave and I even did a vertex about it where it was like, okay, he brings absolutely very little in pass protection. Uh, but as a receiver and as a runner, he brings enough that just don't use him that way. Right. And one of the things I'm very interested to see, because I think one of the aspects of this of this style of pass blocking is Najee Harris doesn't have to read what's going on. He just has to head yeah. up to his spot. And if there's a guy rushing that spot, hit him, block him. If not, you're a receiver. Mm-hmm. And that's so much simpler. And I think it really fits Najee Harris. And I think it's one of the reasons Pat Meyer is such a good fit here is his system fits Najee Harris. Another guy it fits and benefits really well is Dan Moore Jr., who's having, as we've said, having yeah. a heck of a camp, having a heck of a game last week. Uh, obviously, there was the strip sack for Mason Rudolph. He still had hands on the guy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be too harsh on Dan Moore Jr. for that. He still had hands on. The guy had to, like, reach over. Mason Rudolph had plenty of room. He could have stepped up and to the left. It's that kind of a system. The quarterback has to move more. The offensive line gets to be more aggressive. The running back has simpler reads and pass protection. It's a very different look for the Steelers' offensive line, and it's definitely something to watch for this, this preseason game coming up against Jacksonville. It's definitely a big thing to keep an eye on is the offensive line, Najee Harris and pass blocking, all of that. They're run blocking, all of that. Watch that offensive line. It's, you know, you're talking about how different the system is. It It's so different because Ben's gone. I mean, you know, everything was, you know, revolved around your 18-year franchise quarterback, and he did not fit the system. And it was just, you know, now we're actually going to see Matt Cannon assist. And whereas last year, nobody had been saying, well, he could have stepped up there, you know, but all these guys had the mobility that they could do that. You know, on that strip sack, there was a lane there where he could have stepped up and run. And so I said before, you can't judge anything based on last year because this year is totally different. Yeah. Um, You know, even, even Dante Johnson is an excellent receiver. But he was force-fed the ball last year because he was the only guy could get open consistently and quickly. Well, now they have so many more weapons. And if you take Harris, who is such a good receiver, and he's too talented, too strong to not be a good blocker, but if he could be more aggressive and then leak up through the middle, you yep. know, even if the running back leaked up into the middle last year, Ben didn't like throwing across the middle. He just did not like to do it, you know, uh, yep. for whatever reason. Now – Trubisky, Pickett, or Rudolph, all of them will dump that ball right across there. You know, Pickett, he when he was in there, he really worked that middle, you know, underneath to, to Warren there for the touchdown and then, you know, the two-point conversion to Hayward. You know, that was stuff that the Stewards just didn't use that part of the field last year. Yep. So it, it's so different now. And a guy like Harris, you know, he probably will not see the amount of touches he did last year Hopefully. because you know there's so he has so much more help and even when he does he hopefully won't be getting hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage trying to get a positive run out you know so yeah I'm, i just think it that it's it's a much better fit for the talent that they have and they brought in talent 
that fits Canada's system. Yeah. And and so it, it's it should be a huge difference. I I want to I want to throw in a comment here. Uh, you said for whatever reason Ben didn't throw over the middle. One of the main problems the Steeler had with throwing over the middle is they couldn't run outside. Yeah. And that may seem that may seem weird, but mm-hmm. but hear me out here. Uh, the Steelers could not run outside well, mm-hmm. and because they didn't do a good job at that, teams loaded the box. Yeah. Ben's best routes, Deontay Johnson's best route, Claypool's best routes, Juju Smith-Schuster's best routes. All those guys are absolutely deadly on drags and slants, mm-hmm. on posts, hooks, all these routes that you are kind of in the box and in the middle of the field where Ben Roethlisberger used to destroy teams. Mm-hmm. And teams realized, well, if they can't run outside and they like to throw inside, let's just jam the box full of players. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got jam the box full of players, you take that all away. You take away the pass. You take away the run. And we, and the run wasn't enough of a threat to even back linebackers off. But linebackers would read pass first mm-hmm. and then come defend the run because they could. They could get away with it. We couldn't run the ball up the middle. Like, Too much congestion. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so, of course, you couldn't throw over the middle. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing now is if the Steelers, and we saw it a bit, they ran much better outside. Obviously, that one play Anthony McFarland had to kind of create on his own. Uh, I think it was Kevin Rader missed a block on a linebacker mm-hmm. and Anthony McFarland had to like shake the whole team and then take off. Uh, but outside of that, they were running outside better. When you can do that, that opens up passing across the middle. When you have court, when you have time to throw or quarterbacks who can buy some time for your outside receivers to get open, you can throw outside more. You don't have to rely on the inside, and teams can't just overload the middle of the box like they could against the Steelers last year when a whole bunch of factors came together to make it so the Steelers really couldn't punish teams for just overloading the box and just saying, we're going to put everyone in the middle of the field, and you're not going to beat us. Yeah, it was just so limiting. You know, and and you're trying to work all your offense in just certain segments of the field that everybody knew you was – and to even to be successful at that, yeah. you know, some of Ben's accuracy and stuff, you know, in the, the still the arm strength, he didn't have to be able to do what he did. And, you know, Johnson, you know, everybody knows what you're, Ralph, you know, they, they know what you're not going to do and they yeah. know what you like to do. And they were still able to be successful enough to win nine games. Um, You know, it, it was, it doesn't make sense. If you look at that team, it does not look like a nine win football team. The- you can look at the stats, you can look at everything. Yeah, yeah. Nothing about last like season it. makes sense. That yeah. there's no way that's a playoff team, and yet it was. And I honestly believe now they they I don't know about that clutch factor. And yeah. that's something that hopefully they won't be in that situation so many times. You <laughs> know, they won't because be you know, if they could play and the offense could flow like it did on Saturday, and they could, you know, that could kind of you know bleed over into the regular season. Um they they could be actually a better football team, um, and in a in a better position to to do something. One year after I thought that you know after last I said this is just a rebuild, but they did a great job this offseason. To whereas I believe that they could be a playoff team, you know that they could get into that nine ten win uh, territory, which I did not think after the season was possible. Well. This is, another, this is something else I want to bring up here because uh, I want to talk to you specifically about it. The correlation between Ben Roethlisberger 
the playoff drought the Steelers have been on and Terry Bradshaw. Because Terry Bradshaw's last three seasons, Steelers didn't win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. His last three seasons, they didn't win the playoff game. And his career was cut short. Yep. Right? Terry Bradshaw's career was cut short. And then the year after his injury that ends his career, the next year, he's not there. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff game. The year after that, I believe they won two playoff games? Uh, Was that 83? or Yeah. But they won a playoff game after Bradshaw mm-hmm. was gone. With Ben Roethlisberger, obviously his career was longer than, than, than Terry Bradshaw's. But if you kind of line them up, the playoff struggles the Steelers had with Ben Roethlisberger line up with the playoff struggles they had with Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw's career was cut short. Ben played it out. Mm-hmm. And now the Steelers, we're sitting here looking at the Steelers team saying, this team might be a team that could make the playoffs. And if the defense is good and the offense is, is has time to develop and they stay pretty healthy, this is a team that could win a playoff game. Yeah. And I, I find that fascinating that the, the two great quarterbacks the Steelers have had, both were in a position where they they the team didn't win playoff games at the end of their career. They they had a stretch there. Mm-hmm. And now the Steelers look like a team, and we're sitting here saying, maybe, man, George Pickens, this offense could be good. The, the run blocking looks a little better. And, you know, if, if Anthony McFarland can run, Najee Harris is going to be able to get some yards. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if Anthony McFarland <laughs> gets yards, the tight ends we have, I mean, Connor Hayward, what he was doing in that game, mm-hmm. how the, the threat he has become, and he's our number three tight end. Uh, I was talking about this on my podcast. The Steelers, if you look at their their depth chart for all the all the non quarterback, all the weapons, right? Mm-hmm. Wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. The Steelers played two players of their top ten. Yeah, George yeah. Pickens and the second one, Miles Boykin. That's mm-hmm. it from their top ten weapons listed yeah. on their depth chart. No Najee Harris. No Benny Snell. No Pat Fryermuth, no Zach Gentry, no Chase Claypool, no Deontay Johnson, no Anthony Miller, I think, is one, and uh, Calvin Austin the third. None of those guys played, mm-hmm. and the Steelers scored 32 points. And they were moving the ball on Seattle when Seattle largely had their first-team offense in. Mm-hmm. They were moving and scoring touchdowns. I think this offense could be good enough that if the defense can bounce back, this is a team that could win a playoff game. I think if if people are being honest and you take out your prejudices, you take out, you know, everybody knows I love being, and you know, uh, but if you're if you're just being honest, if you look at that this uh, collection of talent on this year's roster already, you know who it looks like is going to be, say the top seven receivers, top six, however many they keep, your tight ends the running back depth, and a mobile quarterback. There is so much more talent on this year's team. If you got George Pickens alone, you had a yep. huge talent increase. Yep. But there's a lot of other talent. I mean, there's guys that are not going to make the Steelers wide receiver core that are going to get picked up somewhere. Um, and 
you know, the, the injury to Anthony Miller, you know, that's unfortunate, but he had a battle to try to make this yeah. team anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we look at, at a guy like Claypool working the slot and, and that's what he's at practice. He's getting a lot of that. And, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to envision Vinny, Vinny Snell making this thing. Um, uh, if McFarland keeps running good, because Warren has looked excellent, and you know his biggest issue is is ball security. So they said yep. he's carrying the football around like in the movie the program. He's oh, carrying yeah. it with him everywhere. I'm sure they're like punching out if you can, you know. But there's just so much more talent. I would have liked to see Ben have this level of talent. The interior of its line, Cole Daniels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, they're, they're better than anybody the Steelers had last year on that interior. Yep. You know, because Turner was was old and he was basically washed. You know, Green was just so raw. And and um, and then Dotson dealt with the injuries and inconsistency. So um, I, I just think that the talent's there. And, and I think that with the added factor of the younger, more mobile quarterback who fit this system, yeah, I, I I don't see any reason they can't make the playoffs and win a game. You know, one minimum. Last, minimum. <laughs> we're, we're running a little over, but there's one last thing I do want to bring up here. Someone brought up in the chat. There's a lot of talk right now of Mason Rudolph being traded, some national stories, some guys who are usually break stories that turn out to be true are saying there's teams interested in Mason Rudolph, one of them being the Lions which is a team built more around a pocket passer. Mason Rudolph fits more of that style of play than he does where the Steelers are trying to head with their offense right now. And then you see Chris Oladokun getting team snaps today in training camp. You see Mason Rudolph again taking snaps with the third team in team activities. Kenny Pickett getting snaps with the second team. Trubisky staying with the first. Do you think think the Steelers would trade Mason Rudolph? And then secondly, would you trade Mason Rudolph? Well, we all heard Omar Khan say, uh, we are, you know, we have no interest or we're not actively shopping our quarterback. That's not saying they ain't listening to offers, however. Mm -hmm. And if there's any truth to that, I, I would, I would say if Pickett, and they're going to let him, I think, get uh, snaps with the second team Saturday. Uh, you know, to see how he does. You know, you know, taking that next step up in talent. If they think that he is able to be a quality backup this year, then that might make Rudolph a attractive trade option. My whole thing is this, and I've said it before. I said it on the Hangover Monday, Rudolph. It's got to the point now that you have the 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 people who love him and you have the people who hate him, and then most of us are in the middle. And we're just trying to be honest about what we've seen. And I've always said that I think he can be a quality backup. But he has to get to the point that he will accept being a quality backup. Charlie Batch tried, you know, one of the best backups in Steeler history, if not the best backup. He tried with Detroit. He was happy to come to Pittsburgh. He knew he was going to be the backup, but he was great at it because he really focused and excelled at his job. I think Rudolph has that ability to do that. Now, if he still believes he's a starter, he needs to try for that. But I don't think that that place is Pittsburgh because I think it's got to the point now that if he if he does get the starting position and gets the start, if he has a bad half, it's going to be terrible. 
if it's a bad game, that's all we're going to talk about. I mean, it's, you know, he's become, like I said earlier, he's like uh, the jelly of the month club, you know, for all of the BTSC writers and podcasters. And he's the gift that keeps on giving because everybody's passionate one way or the other about him. Yep. But I think if he could just go somewhere and have an opportunity to actually compete without any of the baggage, I think it would be better off for him. And and it might, you know, clear up some of that drama um, because he's not creating the drama. It's everybody else that's creating the drama. You know, this isn't nothing on Rudolph. He isn't stirring the pot and, you know, this isn't Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, we haven't heard a single bad yeah, word yeah, about this him isn't, from anybody. This has nothing to do with him nothing. being a good guy, bad guy, or anything else. But he's it, just he's become such a polarizing figure, kind of like Landry Jones. Landry Jones was an awesome human being, but he wasn't the greatest backup quarterback. So you could feel both ways about the guy. You know, I really liked him as a person, but I wanted to see an upgrade at backup. I just think that that might be the best thing for Rudolph right now. I, my my opinion on Rudolph is the Steelers drafted him, said, we need you to be the backup and run Ben Roethlisberger's offense mm-hmm. and then prepare yourself to take over when he's gone. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for from you is if, if we're surprised and Ben Roethlisberger is suddenly gone, you're the guy. 2019, before. For quite a while there, he was doing pretty well. He he kind of started poorly. He started started slow, got into a rhythm. Teams kind of figured him out. Uh, he had a good game when he came in in 2020, his one game he played. But he was a guy who took his time and learned to run Ben Roethlisberger's offense. Mm-hmm. Right, That was his job. Learn this offense. Be this type of quarterback. And then the minute he gets a real chance, and Ben Roethlisberger has said, man, Mason deserves a real chance to be that guy. But the minute he does, gets that chance, the Steelers are like, okay, now we want this totally different style of quarterback. Right? Then the one we've had you working on becoming for three, four years. Mm-hmm. Now we want a different kind. And I think it showed up on that play he got strip sacked where – like if you watch the deep offensive line blocking, they're they're creating a lane for him, mm-hmm. right? Which we saw with Trubisky and Pickett. That's what they do. You, yeah. you say, okay, you're going to rush. We're just going to funnel your rush like this and give a lane to escape. Mason's just standing there making his reads, being like, okay, boom, boom, I'm going to make my throw. And the guy hits the ball out of his hand mm-hmm. because they're not blocking for that pocket anymore. They're blocking for a guy to move. No. It's a very different offense. It's a different scheme. And to me, I almost think I don't think it's a negative to say I want to see Mason Rudolph traded to another team. I want to see him traded to a team that fits his skill set. That's not where the Steelers are anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't want what they turned Mason Rudolph into. Yeah. I totally agree. Rudolph. I totally agree. Yeah. So I, I have sympathy <laughs> for Mason Rudolph. I think he's fine. I think he's one of those guys that could be a good, a really good backup. And, and come in mm-hmm. and convince it. Like, if he went to Detroit right now and Jared Goff missed two games, Mason Rudolph is the kind of quarterback where you, I think fans would be sitting there saying, no, stick with him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe we want to stick with Mason Rudolph and not bring Jared Goff back because he's that kind of guy. He can come in, throw mm-hmm. downfield. He can drop some stuff and, and make some plays that teams aren't used to, that teams may not expect if you're running that kind of Jared Goff offense. Uh, I think Mace can be good somewhere else. I don't think he can be very good on this Pittsburgh Steelers team. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And and I think it, you know, it would only be fair to him. Sometimes, you know, change is a good thing. And yeah. and in this case, it might be for him. And and uh because like I said, he there's there's some negativity that is been directed towards him. Um, to where you can't say anything, even try to be honest about how you yeah. feel, because then you know you're lumped in with the people that can't stand him, you know, for whatever reason. A lot of it's not fair to him, but if if you just be honest right now, you know, you get lumped into that, and I think that he, a fresh start would be good. All right, uh, that's our show for the day. Steelers, Jaguars this Saturday. Keys to the game. Watch that offensive line. Absolutely 100% watch that offensive line. See what Najee's doing. See how they pass block. I, I can't wait to see Najee Harris pass block uh, in this new system and see if it works well for him. Um, as, as of that, uh, Shannon, is there anything you want to plug real quick? No, I'm still trying to get back into swing of things <laughs> with all that's been going on. So um, I'm just going to be trying to catch up and enjoy all the great articles and podcasts that we have to offer. So, all right. I had, I have a bunch of stuff out this week. Uh, the, I've got to go finish up. I've got all the film ready for it and everything. I got to finish up the vertex. Uh, this week's vertex is on Connor Hayward and it's going to be a good one. It's about all the things Connor Hayward did with or without the ball that makes him valuable to the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Uh, so make sure you check that out. He's, he's a good player. Uh, and whether or not he produces stats, his snaps, he has been impactful. So look for that. Uh, as always, check out your articles, get your news from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and listen to all the podcasts on our Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. We're in our regular season mode. There, There's more content than, than there was in the offseason. Make sure you're checking that out, getting all the updates. The post-game show is back. Make sure you're listening to that. That's a great time. Uh, check, click over that after the game. A couple minutes after the game ends, that pot that uh, the post game show is up. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's it's a good time. As for now, thank you so much for uh, listening to our show. Thank you to the live chat for your participation and your comments. We don't always get to bring them up, but I try to read them all. Always enjoy it. And uh, as always, have a great week and let's go Steelers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.